Welcome to Let's Humanize the Workplace. My, my name is Vivian Aqua, and I haven't done this in a while, but you're more than welcome to join this uh, conversation, which is all about how courageous leadership can boost innovation. And today's guest is Edson Hato. And let me look up his bio so that I can share more about Edson. So Edson is a, an award-winning HR executive and a transformation consultant who's known for creating impact with the years of corporate and entrepreneurial experiences. Edson uses his knowledge to solve complex and organizational challenges in and orchestrate system-wide and holistic transformational change. So one of the reasons why I reached out for Edson regarding this topic was, this is a new concept, right? We all know about, you know, I hope that we all have heard about inclusive leadership, we all have heard about the different leadership styles, uh, traditional leadership styles that should be extinct, right? But now I want us to have a conversation about courageous leadership. But before we dive in, I do want to talk about what does it mean for you, Edson, to humanize the workplace? Mm, that's, that's a, first of all, thank you for the invitation. Thank you for having me here. And thank you for everyone that joined. Um, and to humanize the workplace, that's that's a big question that I've tried to bring mm -hmm, down. I know. <laughs> to very, very simple things. Now, the, we, we need to understand something. Um, humanity evolves. We went from hunter-gatherers um, to communities, to people that can build relationships, network technology. So we have evolved. And through that evolution, there was a dominant narrative that we were mm. all told at school. The dominant yeah. narrative is we need to be effective and efficient. And in order for us to be effective and efficient, we compartmentalize what we can do as human beings. When we were in the process of compartmentalization, we also cut, we cut that what binds us the most, which is relationships, which is connection. Yeah. Because I put you in a certain box. I want you to function in that box. And please don't step out of that box because if you step out of that box, you're not effective, you're not efficient anymore, right? And humanizing, humanizing the workplace is all about bringing back relationships and connections. Um, yeah. And we're not doing it just because it's fun. There is a reason why these connections are needed. The challenges we face are too big to face them from a perspective of efficiency and effectiveness. So this is what, what I am getting out of what you are sharing, right? So because when I hear effective and efficient, I look at it from the traditional leadership style. And also what you are saying is we are cutting the relationship part where I, I, I can definitely recognize in what you are saying, where I see so many companies, so many teams, and I'm just like, but you are not talking to each other. What, what happened? Why are you not communicating with each other? Am I getting it right, Edson? Yes, you're getting it right. The system and the processes mm -hmm. have become more important than the actors we're doing it for mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that's the thing we are more focused on maintaining the status quo maintaining the system yeah. 
maintaining the process, hiding behind the process, instead of asking ourselves, is that what we're doing having the impact for the people that we're doing it for? Um, mm -hmm. uh, and, and there is where um, rehumanization comes back in, connections come back yeah. in, relationships come back in. When you talk about the maintaining the systems and when you talk about maintaining the status quo, can you sh deliberate something or share more context so that people understand what you are talking? I know what you are talking about, but I want others also to understand what you are talking about. Yeah, I, I, and I, I you, and you need to help me here because I don't want. Yeah, I will. It, I don't want to make it too esoterical or academic. That's not what I'm, mm -hmm. what I'm trying to say here. But a lot of people say that we are um, in a period of transformation. Yeah, yeah. I say we are in a transformational period. That's something mm -hmm. different. When we are in a period of transformation, the foundation stays the same and we color it, right? Yeah. When we are in a transformational period, it is that the foundation is also being changed. The grounds we stand on do not work anymore. Yeah. So, so for, go for it. And I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking like okay, there might be some leaders listening. What does that mean for them? For them, that means if you look at the if you look at leadership, right? Look at how mm -hmm, we define, mm -hmm. leadership, right? Yeah. From the get go, yeah. and this is from a Western perspective. Now we're not even yeah. talking Asian, African, Latin American yeah. perspective. From a Western perspective. A leader could only be, someone could only be called a leader if you were um, um, from a military, uh, you had military prowess, you had yeah. won a war, you were a general, you were good. Um, you are part of the um, aristocrat, or the royalty, mm -hmm. the royal aristocrat, yeah. or you had knowledge, you were a philosopher, a priest, a spiritual person with a lot of knowledge. This mm -hmm. is where we started defining leadership as someone mm -hmm. that has a certain knowledge that other people didn't have because the rest was illiterate in those days yeah. never read a book and needed guidance and by the way you were only allowed to be a leader if you are a man that's how we started mm. from yeah. that point we started looking at leadership as influencing right how good am i in influencing others and making sure that they do what i want them to do Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. From there, we went, well, wait a minute, we need to be a bit, a bit more transformational. So we shouldn't only tell people what they do, but we also need to be able to understand where they come from and use that in a way that inspires them to go into the direction that you want them to go. So everything I've explained up till now is about one person or a group of people influencing another group of people. Yep. What we are realizing now, and, and, and now that we're getting into the modern definition of leadership, where, by the way, more and more women are getting into the field of leadership, we're starting to talk about chaos. We're starting to talk about building networks. We're starting to talk about distributed leadership. We're starting to talk about um, courageous leadership. And these are all relation. Yes, these are all relationship-driven leadership styles. I'm stopping. Yes, go for it. I see that we need live sign. No, we're not live, so we need to start again. <laughs> go live. <laughs>
it's okay. Hey, it happens to the best of us. Don't worry about it. Sometimes things just happen. Hi, good evening, good morning, good afternoon. We're a little bit later. We thought, I thought, it's my mistake. I thought that we were all already live, but welcome to Let's Humanize the Workplace with my amazing guest speaker, Edson Hato, who is a transformation executive. And let me properly introduce him in, in, this, in this whole thing where Edson is a an award-winning HR executive and a transformation consultant who is known for creating impact. So with the years of corporate and entrepreneurial experiences, Edson has uses his knowledge to help solve complex organizational challenges and orchestrate system-wide and holistic transformational change. So all I can say is that if you, for any chance, have any questions, know, you, you know me by now that I always invite and engage people to share questions. So share your questions and we'll make sure, or I'll make sure that I put them up and help you in this way. So Edson, let's go back to answering that question where it starts with, why do we need to humanize the workplace? Well, um, we need to humanize the workplace because the challenges that we're facing as humanity cannot be faced with a traditional way that we are leading our businesses, our communities, mm -hmm. our societies, the planet, right? Yeah. If we go a little bit back, we, we have all been um, taught that the only way for us to grow, um, to be rich, to be successful um, in the world is by being effective and efficient and to be effective and efficient you need to focus on one thing you need to be able to do that very well but what effectiveness and efficiency has taken away from us is our ability to relate to others from a different perspective or to relate to others from perspectives that are not our own and that is what is stopping us now from uh, being able to solve the big challenges that we're facing financial crisis, climate crisis, energy crisis, et cetera, et cetera. So humanizing relationship is about creating, recreating those nodes, the relationship nodes, so that we are connected to, the, to each other and able to use our collective wisdom to survive the coming 40 yeah. to 50 years. So when you talk about relationships, um... It means that currently right now in the workplace, which I can recognize that we are not investing a lot in relationships. And that's where the, the challenges happen in the workplace. And also there is a way of thinking at the moment right now where traditional leadership is overtaking. What can you say about that? Yeah, I mean, in order for me to answer your question, I need to go back mm -hmm. to... To, to, to the start of my, my research on leadership. I mm -hmm. am doing, I'm doing a PhD, by the way, and I'm running terribly behind on it. So don't... don't, don't it's a good reminder. <laughs> but I, I, did, I did a lot of uh, research for one year on where does leadership come from, from the Western perspective, by the way. Yeah. Unfortunately, if you want to do it from the African, Asian, Latin American perspective, you don't have as much literature as you have from the Western perspective. Yeah. And let's start at the beginning. The beginning was you could only be a leader if you were a man, if you were part of the aristocracy of royalty, 
if you are part of the political establishment or a philosopher or a priest, or if you were from, from a military, from military uh, prowess, from military descent, a general, someone that has proven on the military field that, you, that you're worth that level of status. Mm-hmm. By the way, you could only do that when you are a man. So it was knowledge and status that gave you that position. The second part was, hey, I can be a leader if I'm able to influence other people to do what I need them to do. Basically, I need to be able to tell them what to do and they need to follow me. So it's all about me telling others what to do. Then we said, no, 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 no. It needs to be a two-way street. So let's start building the context, the environment into what leadership is. And let's try to empower others to move into the direction that we want them to move. In all these three examples, it's all about the leader influencing, telling other people what to do. What that does is it, it, it limits us as human beings in thinking differently, out of the box, right? Mm. And that's where I think now that you're seeing that more and more women um, and, 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 and people, people from underrepresented groups are stepping into the leadership field, you're seeing yeah. that suddenly we're talking about chaos. We're talking about mm-hmm. network. We're talking about stepping out of your boundaries. We're talking about um, daring to think differently. And there is where you see the new phase happening. So relational leadership, leadership that is focused on a two-way street, on a three-way street. Now we're talking about distributed leadership. Now we're talking about mm-hmm. shared leadership. Now we're talking about courageous leadership. These are all terms that are new in the leadership field. A little bit esoteric. You cannot really touch them and say, what do they really mean? But they represent a different way of managing the crises that we're going to be facing than pure, I'm a man, I know better what to do, and you better follow me. Yeah, yeah. What do you, what do you, I'm, I'm, yeah, a lot, (laughs) so many questions. And then I also want to, I, I do want to have this conversation where leaders can ask questions or can can think about, okay, hearing Edson talk about this style of leadership, what can I do differently to engage my people, to inspire them and not activate, you know, that whole controlling? Because I've seen different articles where people are being summoned back to the office and I'm just yeah. like, haven't you learned anything about the lockdown and where some people try better from working from remote or working hybrid? What can you say yeah. about that? Mm. That is a reflection more of the leader than of the people mm-hmm. that are asking to the office. Yeah. And let me explain what I'm trying to say. Leaders that are doing a good job do not need to ask their people to come to the office. These people come mm. to the office Okay, okay, wait, 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 wait. I need to I need to say that again. So you're saying leaders that are doing a good job are not the leaders who are asking or demanding them people to come back to the office. I hope that somebody's taking notes out of this. Okay, continue. Correct. Correct. Because what happens is the following. If you have a good functioning team, mm. what you what you have done as a leader is you have trusted them. Yeah. Just like we did. COVID, you have trusted them to deliver the output. You have also trusted them to, um, uh, for themselves, critically think 
do we need mm. to come together at this moment in time to solve this problem or not? And you have put yourself into a position of facilitation of um, 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 supporting that group of yeah. people become the best that they can be. Mm-hmm. You have not forced, you have not demanded, you have not yeah. said the productivity goes down. I think the leaders that are asking people to come back to the office are the leaders that need to have a certain amount of control. And when people are not in that direct environment, they feel that they cannot exert the power that they want mm-hmm. to exert. Now, yeah. there are roles where you do need to be at the office. Now, I, I understand want, that. Yeah. I wouldn't want my heart surgeon to be operating me remotely. I would like <laughs> him to be in, in, in right? Yes, definitely. Um, yeah. Train driver, I, I think I also would like him to be in the train, right? But there are yeah. a lot of there are a lot of other um, jobs and functions where we really do not need people to be all the time, five days a week in the office yeah. with each other. That's, That's more true. about control and power than than anything else. Okay, let's let's dive deeper into today's topic. And for those who are not aware about courageous leadership can you share more about the definition and what do you believe are the core elements of being a courageous leader yeah courageous leaders put themselves into situations Mm -hmm. where they are able to deliver impact Mm. so let me repeat that courageous leaders put themselves into situation and context where they want to deliver impact that matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Per definition, there are a couple of themes in this definition. One, um, you are putting yourself into situations in which you don't know what the outcome is. Second, you're putting yourself into a situation where it's not a process that you're managing, but it is an outcome that you want to achieve. So you're focused on the outcome. Third, a lot of the times um, um, what you need to do as a leader is for you unknown. And you are able to manage that anxiety by bringing people together around you that help you manage that anxiety, but also by providing their perspective helps you charter a course forward, right? So, so that's what a courageous leader is for me. They put themselves into situations to create impacts that matter. Do you know of any role models that fit that label? Yeah. Now, I'm going to start close at home, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. With I yourself? Have, well, I have, well, thank you, Vivian. I, I, I really appreciate you. Um, but but I, I've been in a delivery room with my sister because her husband was on a boat and couldn't get mm. to the hospital fast enough. He was in the helicopter mm-hmm. when his first daughter was born, right? Wow. Uh, yeah. So let me start with women that deliver their first baby yeah that's me being courageous leadership because i don't know about you but as a man i nearly fainted i i was like what the hell am i doing here i I can't deal with this 
I wanted to walk out of the room instead of staying in it. The doctor had to turn me back around. Did your sister sit down? <laughs> um, it's like putting yourself into a situation where you lose control over your body. Um, yeah. Nature over and you deliver this beautiful human being that you need to take care of for the coming 18 years or for the rest of your life. Yeah. So mm-hmm. let's, let's start with that. The second thing, um, the second role models I think um, we have are those leaders that have transcended themselves in those roles. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the ones that I only know are some black leaders like Nelson Mandela, like uh, Barack Obama, like yeah. um, uh, Malcolm X. A lot of people think Malcolm mm-hmm. X is very, um, but I, I, I think he's, he's a creation. Martin Luther King. Um, and yeah. these are people that, because of the fact that the status quo was excluding them, they had yeah. to be created to break it. And yeah. they, paid, they paid a very high price. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, for me, these are courageous. Another one is, is John F. Kennedy, who also paid a high price, yeah. right? Yeah. Being yeah. For pushing the boundary. Um, yeah. These are examples for me. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, you know, was a relentless, relentless fighter for kids. She was so relentless that if you hear stories about her, some people really got mad at her because the only thing, the only yeah. thing she was was on her kids. She was singularly yeah. focused on making those kids' life the best thing um, and the, they could be. Another courageous leader for me is Toussaint, the big, the big Haitian um, freedom fighter. If you don't know, mm. go and look him up um, because yeah. he's the. Yeah. Um, Haiti uh, fought um, um, the the black Africans that were taken to Haiti, fought the French, won from the French. And then two years later, the French came back with an armada and basically Mm -hmm. said to them, if you don't pay back everything that you took away from us, basically Haiti and the plantation, we're going to bomb you to death, right? That's how big the armada was that surrounded Haiti and said, we're going to bomb you until you surrender. And that's where they agreed to sign a contract to pay back France. The last payment was done in 2020. So a lot of people think, why is Haiti so poor? Haiti is poor because they've been paid in France for the past hundreds and hundreds of years. For the and, that's, and that's up to so many African countries as well that were part of the French colony that they are you know, dry, their their money is dry just because they are still, up to this day, still paying France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So there is where I, I think that um, that we have some, and, and I have more courageous leaders, right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, the, the, the climate fighter, the climate fighter, the turn, I, I don't want to mispronounce her, um, turn um, Swedish. Greta? Um, Greta. Is also, Greta, yeah, yeah, it is Greta, yeah. and she got, she got arrested recently, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So they are challenging the status quo. Yeah. Um, they are thinking differently, um, yeah. and they are fighting, and they are helping us see um, that we cannot continue the way we are continuing at the moment. Definitely, definitely. Okay, definitely. I I'm more curious into how do you see that the transformative power of being a courageous leader can influence innovation. 
Yeah. Because the, at the end of the day, the leader wants to, you know, amplify their reach, empower the people so that they innovate, right? If you don't innovate, you become a dinosaur. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, I think this is a good, a really good question. And, and Vivian, I, I don't have an answer to that. What I can share with mm -hmm. you is what I think. Mm -hmm. um, um, there is a lot of talk about uh, chaos and the chaos theory. Yeah. Yeah. So how, let me take a step back here, because how I look at mm -hmm. it is that we think that we can organize our lives and plan yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And to a certain extent, we can. Mm -hmm. But for a large extent, we cannot. Yeah. And we have lost our ability to manage, to live our lives based on the energetic flows of what is happening. Mm -hmm. Why does serendipity yeah. happen? Why does one person pop up in my life and the other not? Why do I get this message to do this? And but that one thing that I want to do never pops up. So we have we have lost that affinity to follow what the flow of serendipity is putting in front of us. Mm -hmm. And that also um, being in, in, in connection with the universe and being in connection with the relationships that we have and being much, much more able to listen instead mm -hmm. of instead of creating noise. Right. Yeah. I think yeah. leaders and innovation has to do with the leader's ability to identify networks that can create disproportionate value in a distant future and to yeah. trust that that network will be able to deliver on that and to water those networks, not one, not two, not three, but four and five. And by the way, if you identify 10 of them, Probably nine will fail, but you just need one to succeed. And then why you know, why the why are we saying failure? Because we look at failure like it's not a valuable lesson. And I am just like, okay, it's good that we fell, but after falling, you're standing up. Right? I fell, I broke my ankle, I fell, and now I'm 16 screws further. Where yes, I'm moving at a slower pace, but still I stood up went on and and learning from that whole experience and and thinking of okay what can i do in the future be more mindful of my time set boundaries think about how i can be sustainable so i i also want to just share this message to the leaders that when a team is failing or when a product is not being successful ask ask amazon how they started if you look at the historical web page of amazon you would cry it's it's ugly but look at bezos right now right yeah yeah and i and i'm really happy with your intervention i'm really happy mm -hmm. with you keeping me honest and bringing me back back because every failure is a stepping mm -hmm. stone to your success exactly exactly every exactly. failure is a preparation for your yeah. success at least yeah. that's how i see yeah. it right yeah and i have yeah. failed in my life I've been told yeah. so many times I'm not good enough. I will mm. not be able to achieve it. Um, yeah. I've been fired even because yeah. I didn't say the right words or I didn't accommodate the right amount of. And look where you are right now. Look at the yeah. the clients yeah. that you know Edson yeah. is catering and yeah. and supporting. So 
I, I, I just see that sometimes people don't speak the same language as you or don't dream the same dream that you're dreaming, but I'm glad that you kept on dreaming and walking how yeah. in your, into your dreams as well. Thank you. Thank you, Vivian. And it's, it's not easy. It's not easy yeah. when someone tells you, you know, something I've seen you work and I don't think you can accomplish anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's, but that's you didn't believe it though. Yeah, I didn't believe it. Well, and basically all the things that I did accomplish yeah. had no value for them. Yeah. Yeah. Until you went, you know, you don't know what you got till it's gone. And then they know how valuable you are. But I want to go back because you did, you, you're dropping a lot of hints and a lot of messages that I want to unpack. You mentioned trust, which is a valuable thing. Trust is, is hard to, to gain but it's so easy to lose. So be respectful and earn the trust, but don't lose it, you know, the next day. The next thing that you talk about is listen, right? Um, I see so many leaders listening, but there's a part also that active listening. I've been actively listening to everything that you're saying. And I was just like, oh, I want to say, I want to talk. No, I'm writing a few things down just to memorize and also to bring back towards you what you are sharing because these are valuable elements that I sometimes don't see back in into the current leaders or some of the leaders that I'm talking to and then the other thing is water the network don't spend only the time you know within your team because you never know how the team dynamics will change connect with other people outside of your scope because that's where the magic happens that's where you can create magic or connect with different departments that can make your life easier in the workplace. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, there is there is a, a, a definition of exclusion that I really like to use, right? Mm -hmm. Every time, every time that when you see and feel that mm -hmm. the people around you are all the same, come from the yeah. same perspective, yeah. have the same skin color, talk the same as you, you are in trouble. Yeah. 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 You're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Because you are losing out on perspectives that you didn't even know that you needed. So I mean you can just look at the mirror and say yes, yes, yes to everything that you're saying, right? That's what you're saying at the moment right now. Yeah. 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 So I think big organizations and small organizations at this mm -hmm. moment in time have a lot of trouble adjusting to what's happening in the world because yeah. their communities are too homogeneous and too singular. So let's yeah. go back to trust, to listening and to network, right? Yeah. Yes. So now, and help me here, and it's going to be controversial yeah. what I'm saying. I'm listening. A lot of us use trust as a sword. Mm, yeah, That's I get that. Yeah. That, right? Yeah. Vivian, I love you. You're great. And I trust you. Yeah. Please do not let me lose that trust. Bam. Yeah. I get yeah. you in a position in which you are fighting. You're already yeah. being put down because yeah. you need to fulfill uh, my need of trust. Yeah. Therefore, I am already putting you on your key vive, like, okay, yeah. what do I need to do to make sure that he doesn't not like yeah. me anymore, doesn't trust me yeah. anymore? 
and and you i'm all already on equalizing our relationship so trust is used as a sword instead yeah. of instead of my departing point is trust and i know because i trust the world we live in mm-hmm. we will have yeah. ups and downs yeah and through these ups and downs our relationship is going to be fine that's what yeah. trust is for But also the whole world, the the word that you're saying, it's a relationship. And I don't know about you, but with my partner, with my friends, even with Anita, who you know very well, we have our ups and downs. And we have to be able to also be that flexible that there are some days that the relationships is going, you know, super great. There are some days where you're butting heads, but that doesn't mean that I don't like you or that doesn't mean that I don't trust you or trust you less. So I get what you're saying. And no, it's not controversial. I really love that you are bringing this part in it. Yeah. So stop stop using, using trust as a sword. Yeah. Use it yeah. genuinely and authentically for what it is, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing is listening. Now, um, and I don't know, I have to repeat this over and over and over again. If you are in a conversation with me mm-hmm. and the only that's going in your mind is when will he take a breath so that I can jump in and say what I'm thinking (laughs) then you're not listening to me no no you're not listening to what's happening Mm -hmm. Um, and unfortunately we have all been taught that to be a great leader and to be uh, a great person that influences others you need to talk you need to talk a lot you need to tell people what you feel and what you think just like I'm doing now right Yeah, yeah. And therefore, listening is impossible. Yeah. So it shouldn't be a monologue. It shouldn't be a monologue. No. There are leaders that do their leadership by asking questions. Yeah. Lots of questions. They don't do anything else. They just ask the right questions at the right moment. And sometimes they drive you mad. And sometimes you think, Mm -hmm. why is he? Why is she asking that question? And then days later, yeah. you're like, oh my God, okay, maybe I need to do something different. And by the way, it's not because the leader knows the answer that he's asking mm-hmm. the question. It's because the leader is curious themselves and thinking, hmm, really? But what about this? And what about that? Where, where how did yeah. you go to that? So they are they are childlike curious. But I do feel like I've I've had those leaders, the last leaders. I do feel like they need to disclose where that curiosity comes from because sometimes it can activate you feeling like you're walking on eggshells like you're not doing the right thing whilst they are asking it from a different lens so I know it's upon me to ask that question like why are you asking that question but not everybody has learned that style and so I'm I'm also challenging the leaders why not share more context into the question that you're asking and why so if your intention is to ask the question just to show as a leader how inquisitive mm-hmm. you can be, how analytical yeah. you can be how deep <laughs> you've gone into all the weeds of the yeah. subjects you're doing to show your prowess then asking yeah. questions can feel very not good for the receiver yeah if yeah. you're asking yeah. questions to help each other become even better in what you're trying to mm-hmm. achieve. Yeah. And the upper 
fifth word is, is here is helping each other. So when you're mm -hmm. asking the question either, you're not only asking the person, but you're also asking yourself. You're both mm -hmm. in this world. Then asking the more of a reflection, the reflective questioning. That's what I see. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. And and a little bit of confrontation while you're doing that reflection questioning. Okay. Um, but yeah. I want to go to a different question. It has to do with this though, but from your experience as a HR leader, uh, HR expert, leadership expert, what are the challenges that you have observed when leaders are trying to adopt courageous leadership? Yeah. There is something I call the N-bar loop. There is okay, a I'm interested. <laughs> yes, there is a narrative in your head yeah. that narrative tells you mm -hmm. how you need to behave as a leader in the company you are or in the institution mm -hmm. you work in. Yeah. That narrative drives certain behaviors. Yeah. And behaviors are a way that you interact with the system that you work in those behaviors deliver certain results because you're influencing people to do things a certain way mm -hmm. and leads to certain actions. That's what I call yeah. the MR loop. Yeah. If you want to be a courageous leader, the traditional old narrative that you have in your head mm -hmm. is where to start. If yeah. you don't change that, being a courageous leader is going to be a really, really tough um process to take on you're going to so be what you're saying is they need to reach out and have a conversation about <laughs> to reach out how and can i move further <laughs> their insecurities yeah yeah you need to reach out to to have a conversation about i am asking this question to this to this um, person in my team because actually i think they are not good enough and i'm not asking questions because i'm really curious about where we can mm -hmm. go together they yeah. need to start seeing that they're using leadership as a shield to yeah. shield away what the anxieties are that they themselves dealing with unless you get over those hurdles that narrative will never change yeah because what you are addressing right now another way to phrase it is if they don't address these hurdles, these challenges, this narrative that they have created, then they are amplifying biases, unconscious biases that are hindering them from innovating, that are hindering their teams from, you know, doing their best work. And it might feel like the whole world is against them. Nobody understands you. But being a leader, you have different needs, different different context and if you are not open about that context but also not address your unconscious bias then it's like a a, a virtual how, how do you say it a, vir a viral circle that you a loop that you stay into because this is your narrative and you don't want to change from that narrative correct absolutely correct and yeah. that narrative constrains you now what are we good at in this world the institutions we mm -hmm. live in, work in, the companies we work in, we are very good at embedding a narrative in the minds of our people. Mm. That's how we that's how we keep them in the straight. Now nowadays people have you know the internet, 
they even have chat GPT. That's a whole nother conversation, but they have more tools, more resources where they can find out more. Yeah. And that's why we want them all back in the office. <laughs> because yeah. the narrative is slipping away. Yeah. 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 The yeah. Is slipping away. The singular way to maintain the narrative and bring you back into the office and I can make sure that you listen to me continuously. But when you're out in the world, who, who yeah. else might be influencing you that I cannot control instead of using that influence into your advantage because they are tapping into different networks that can help you innovate as a leader. So you should yeah. actually tell them to go out there and do their stuff. Wow. But that's me. You're, you're dropping a lot. You're dropping a lot. So what can you share about specific instances where you saw leaders successfully leverage courageous leadership towards innovation or towards other uh, other aspects that can amplify their business or their brand? Yeah, I mean, um, there are there are several leaders. I remember one of my big, big sponsors, a French lady, mm -hmm. um, Marine Eloise. I always I always use her because she I was working um, as a as a business strategist within a big financial services company. So I was mm -hmm. doing integrations, business unit integration, all type of complicated stuff. And she asked mm -hmm. me to come and help her reorganize HR. I said, HR, are you mm -hmm. kidding me? I work. I'm not working in HR. I want to be a CEO and HR. Well, it's a support function and blah, blah, blah. I said no mm -hmm. to her. She invited me over for coffee and I said no to her again. And she closed mm. that section by saying, okay, you never say no three times to the group head of HR of your company. So you go and think, and I'm going to invite you again for coffee in two weeks' time. And then I expect a positive answer. So I walked out thinking, what the hell? Basically, she's blackmailing me into saying yes to her. Why? So I went home. I, it really bothered me. So I went back. I said, hey, what are you doing here, right? She said, ah, wait, wait. You were thinking about it for two weeks, weren't you? I said, yes, good. That's the goal I wanted to achieve. I wanted you to seriously think about my proposal because this is what I want to offer you. If yeah. you come into HR and help me and you don't like it, I will put you in whatever role you want to have afterwards. But I can guarantee you that you're not going to walk away from HR. I love what you are sharing. More. Yeah. Yeah. Korean I love leader. what you're sharing because this person saw potential in you. Yeah. Saw a way for you to connect. And the fact that this person shared it in a way that it makes you think. Sometimes I uh this this is a bad example as a coach, but sometimes when I have certain coaches that are don't doing what they promise to say. I tell them, don't come back to me. Don't reach out to me until you have done what you wanted to do. And eventually, within a short time, they do exactly what they what they wanted to do. So the fact that she laid, she planted some seeds in soil, even though the soil wasn't ready, you took the time to make that soil ready and to think about it. And look at you where you are now. Yeah. Yeah. One of the one of the most I don't know. I I, I I love her. She's retired now. Um, mm -hmm. um, uh, 
this is a white French lady um, mm -hmm. married into very elite class in, in, in France, um, yeah. but she liked to have diverse people around her. She had the mm -hmm. most diverse team because she believed in the power that that brought to her, right? Yeah. That's one. I, I had one of my deans that supported me when I, when I came from the Caribbean island I'm from to study in the Netherlands, right? Mm -hmm. um, I Six months, I failed all my classes because my teachers were scoring me on two points, on my proficiency mm -hmm. in Dutch and yeah. am I answering yeah. the, the questions with the right answers, right? Yeah. So yeah. I was losing both sides, right? Yeah. Because Dutch was my fourth language and... I just got into the Netherlands, so I was trying to get to the grips with everything that I was learning. She mm -hmm. was the one that said, um, you, we need to stop this because um, on the language part, his intel intellect is not defined by the fact that he can speak Dutch well. His intellect mm -hmm. is defined by understanding the concepts that you're trying to teach him. And is yeah. he, is he um, actively using those? She yeah. helped me Pass my grades. Wow, 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 wow. We need heroes like that. We need heroes like that. And also in the workplace, right? There are so many people that could be mentors or could be mentees, but they don't know about the concept or what they can do for each other, right? So what can we do to amplify a pay for it? Because the fact that you, after so many years that you are addressing this, I have a mentee that wrote something very powerful saying that she saw me in a leadership position. And I think that earlier this year or last year, I had BNR Radio reach out to her. And the fact that, you know, I connected with her and that was so amazing. You never know what kind of an impact you have on somebody who you think that they, you know, that they are. Uh, maybe the next you, or maybe you even, you know, you even better. And sometimes it just takes a small thing to see potential in somebody else. I love Absolutely. it. I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I want to mention this because mm -hmm. um, we need to, women, especially white women, need mm. to start understanding the power they have to change yeah. the systems that work in. Because yeah. weirdly enough, despite everything that this guy has said about women, they like you to grab their pussies, um, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and I'm referring to <laughs> yes. The, yes. The, the dominant, and I'm sorry about the word, but he did say it. Um, yeah. The biggest of his constituent are women supporting yeah. him. Now yeah. imagine yeah. these women started questioning the men in their life around this paternalistic view of the world. Yeah. Imagine how what that would bring with it. So yeah. especially white women, they play a crucial role in yeah. turning upside down. And I, yeah. I, I, I yeah. they pick it up and I hope they hold on to it. I'm I'm glad to see some of the women with white women within my circle are stepping up and seeing a different narrative. Can we change all? No, but I'm happy to see that those who can and those who are doing their best to do it in power, right? And also I understand that 
we are allowed to make mistakes. Why don't we gracefully give the same grace to somebody else from a different ethnicity? I'm not saying that I'm allowing other people to share slurs or to share something that's that's hurting, but I do want to share that there is space in grace and there is space in making mistakes. There's space in um, not letting the other party feel like they need to move or move move out the way or we are claiming the whole table. I'm just asking, make space for all of us. That's it. Yeah. So to go back to your question on courageous leadership mm -hmm. and innovation um, yeah. and what are the barriers that, that, that courageous leaders face, um, mm -hmm. it starts with having the courage to be vulnerable about your own anxieties. Mm. Ooh, that yes. it, it starts with that. Second, when you start with that, addressing your dominant narrative becomes easier. Yeah, yeah. That leads to different behaviors, different actions, and different results. So if you're asking me about innovation, it starts with you. I feel a book coming in the future. I'm just saying that I feel a book coming in the future. Okay, we are at the last question. What is your wish for 2030? I know that we are like seven years away, but what is your wish when it comes to humanizing the workplace and courageous leadership? What do you want to see back? Um, now, I, I know um, I'm laughing because I am a mm -hmm. huge Star Trek fan. Mm, okay. Now, a lot of people, and my, my mom always said, oh, God, you're watching this again? Why? <laughs> sit down and look. Listen mm -hmm. to the teams. Yeah. What are they talking about? They are talking about um, understanding each other. They are talking mm -hmm. about accepting each other's differences. They use technology yeah. to facilitate the way they collaborate with yeah. each other. If you look yeah. at the level of depth of the knowledge of each of the actors and the complexity of the issues that they're solving, they're always solving it together. They have yeah. to, otherwise they die, right? Yeah, yeah. I love it That's when you you bring Star Trek in this in answering this question because Star Trek was one of the early series that knew about diversity and even in the roles and up to this day people still reference to that look at star trek look at the different planets where people were coming from but still they collaborated still they made it work and for you to bring it back in this way yeah i i yeah i understand it yes i understand yeah. it it was a pleasure i i know we can talk for hours but it was a pleasure i really hope that self-leaders, leaders, everybody who sees themselves as a leader. And also, I just want to emphasize that just because you don't have leader in your title, you are a self-leader. You're leading yourself, right? So please take away from this conversation whatever resonates with you. Let it marinate. Reflect upon it and let it marinate. I know Vivian, what? thank you for having me. Yeah. That was nice. Thank you. I'm going to end the broadcast.